they can't tell you their names. They can't tell you where they live, but in the mid to late 90s, these five teenagers can turn into animals to fight an invading army of evil brain slugs. Five dumb teens are the only thing standing in the way of complete annihilation. This is Anamorphic Time with Nate and Tyler. Get your hand off my girlfriend, you yerk-brained bastard! <laughs> this is for Daddy. Uh, make it like half the bottle. Catherine Alice Applegate wouldn't want this. She doesn't want this. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And like they're they're like, no, stop <laughs> shooting at children. Oh man, being twelve was weird. Hey so. everybody, uh, welcome to Animorphin Time with Nate and Tyler. That's Nate. I'm Tyler. Hey. Uh, and we have a special guest with us for yeah. the first time. Well, second, third, fourth. Fifth time? Like, <laughs> we, I don't know how to count. We have a guest. All right, cool. So, joining us today, we're going to be talking about Animorphs Book 15, The Escape, with John Cullen. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, th- th- thanks for having me on the show. Hey. Um, and a shout out, a nice job, Nate. I like that you started at two, and then you're like, wow, maybe it's actually five or well, six. I you don't know. know. Like, we invited the most important people first, so I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. That, that first was our personal friend. <laughs> Second was you. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. It's very kind. I'm, I'm happy to be here uh, and to talk about um children's literature with you i am a teacher so that so this this fits with, yeah you know yeah give our give our listeners a brief little rundown of who you are because i know oh. nate knows but some of these weirdo freaks that listen to us might sure. not know uh yeah so i uh well i am a teacher like i said i normally i teach mostly high school but uh, i am a teacher i am also a podcaster that's how i think you guys know me um i'm one of the hosts of the show blocked party uh, which is a podcast where myself and Stefan Heck have a guest on every week to talk about a time they were blocked on social media. Uh, it's a good time. We also, uh, I'm also a stand-up comedian, and I also host a new metal podcast called the POD Cast with Brian Quinby from Street Fight Radio. And I say definitely listen to both of those podcasts because I do. I only <laughs> listen to one because you know I, I I don't like new metal. Uh, That's fair. No no problem. No Uh, one. John, can you cut his mic, please? Can you do that over (laughs) Zoom? I don't think I. I don't know if I can, but if I could, I would. You can just yell every time I talk. Because this is going to get new metal when we start. When we get into chapter one, I'm going to bring up new metal. It's fine. No, it's okay. I'm going to bring up Alanis Morissette when we get to it. So. Oh, I got that written down. I I love Alanis. (laughs) We're so ready. Teens love Alanis. So, so John, what? Give our listeners your history with Animorphs. Um. So I don't have any. Um. I. I was a very, very avid reader when I was a kid, but I've never been super interested in animals. It just has never really been like I didn't have pets growing up and I've never been like a guy who was fascinated by different species of animals or dinosaurs. Like I wasn't into any of that stuff. So um, even though I read a lot of book series when I was this age, a lot of them were either sports based um, or like mystery based. So I read like a lot of Hardy Boys. I read a lot of uh, Encyclopedia Brown. All right. So yeah, um, you had girlfriends. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. Well, Tyler, as <laughs> an yeah. avid Hardy Boy reader, I had zero girlfriends. So uh... God, you? Why would you? Why would you admit that? <laughs> what? That I like the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Also, the Boxcar yeah, that... Children. That, that's those are my. Oh, uh... yeah. I read some Boxcar Children, Bobsy Twins, uh, Babysitters Club, actually. It was it was weird because I so when I was growing up, uh, I was a fairly precocious child and I, I was reading at a fairly high level at an early age and my family didn't have a lot of money. So I started to read chapter books by the time I was like, I don't know, four, I guess. And um, 
my family didn't want like didn't want to buy me books all the time because I would you know you read a book and then it's over. Um, and so we my neighbor was like a eight year old girl and she had like a ton of Babysitters Club books. So I actually kind of like like learned how to read almost Hell through yeah. like Babysitters <laughs> Club even as like a kid. And I remember when the Babysitters Club movie came out in like whatever year that was ninety seven or something like that. Uh, like that was like a big. I was like yeah Babysitters Club here we go. <laughs> oh and there was also the um, Sweet Valley high i read some of those too the twins from sweet valley high yeah i was book series were a big thing but for whatever reason like animorphs never caught on with me i was never uh, a goosebumps guy either and i think to me like animorphs and goosebumps kind of not that animorphs is really horror necessarily but they kind of operated in the sort of same sphere to me oh yeah they're the the scholastic big giants of the mid to late 90s Correct. Yeah. So those just never connected with me. And and so, yeah, this is literally like I I, like the idea of Animorphs didn't even intrigue me enough to like read a book when I was younger. So this is like literally the first experience I've ever had with an Animorphs. So like you haven't even like seen a cover or I've seen covers. Yeah. yeah. So so like I knew I knew what Animorphs was. I think there was a TV show, too. There was on Nickelodeon or whatever. Yeah. Like Nikki Nikki chats or whatever they had in Canada, I don't know. Uh, YTV. Why YTV. that's so much better than Nickelodeon? Youth Why is for young young TV? <laughs> yeah, it's literally youth, youth television is what it stands for. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. You yeah. know what you're getting, Nickelodeon. We, exactly, exactly. We were all so I do so. Yes, Nate, I was definitely aware of it, and my friends read it. I had definitely like seen covers and everything. I just never actually was interested enough to like pick one up and read it. <laughs> that's that seems fair <laughs> very fair so so now you have though we we, we broke you. i have we've I, yes. and again i'm very sorry you're very nice oh, i'm sorry God. i put this trash in your head yeah we made you read a book you're gonna do a book report <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're stuck hey. here for at least an hour and a half <laughs> oh wow okay yeah no problem oh sorry yeah <laughs> I, guess, like, I guess like yeah no you can just leave actually yeah <laughs> at any point just peace out you're a real yeah, person uh, it's fine no, no, it's all good. It's all good. I know I told uh, my girlfriend, Becca, that I was going on an Animorphs podcast, and she was like, so what does that mean? And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. I was like, we like she knew about the books, but she was like, so what does that even mean? And I'm like, well, I got to read uh, one of the books, and we talk about it. She's like, you're going to read an Animorphs book for a podcast? <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. That's yeah. That's what we've been dealing with ever since we started telling people about this podcast. They're fast reads. Like, how how long did it take you to read? Uh, what, what book is this? Fifteen. Yeah, the 15. escape. It took me. I would say it probably took me about forty five minutes, maybe. But the only the the thing that kind of sucked was that. I, I had to read it on my computer because someone has like converted all of the Animorphs books into PDFs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, some insane person. And it, it, do you, okay, answer me this because you guys sent me the link. Did that person just like type it all out by hand? That's kind of what it seems That's like. That's what it felt like to me, but I couldn't find yes. a good answer for that myself. It appears there are 54 books in PDF form, and it appears that this person, whoever did it, sat down and typed out all of the Animorphs books. Which I think that's a, that sounds about absolutely right. insane to me. But um, so that was the only like kind of drawback was that I had to sit on my laptop and read it, which makes you read slower, just like reading off a screen. And I and I've never been like a, like a Kindle person. I like I don't have any of that stuff. So. That was the only, like, I probably could have read it faster, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. And not to brag. I mean, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, John Cullen reads books so fast. Well, I don't want people to be like, 45 minutes. Is this guy stupid? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody, 
when you're on a podcast with us, no one's going to think you're the stupid one. <laughs> it, it takes me about a week to get through. But, like, you know, I do a deep read. You know, I, I have an yeah, English degree, fair. so I feel like I really need to... <laughs> God. I can show it to you. It's on my wall. I uh, mean, I also have an English degree. Oh, I, I don't fancy. know what. Yeah, yeah. So we're both. I mean, I just uh, it it was the 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 part about this book, and we'll get more into it. I'm sure is like the a lot of the scenes like really draw out, so you don't have to like you know you don't have to really read every word. Like it was I, that's part of it too. You're like oh, okay, like. I, as soon as the chapter starts, you're like, okay, I can kind of figure out where this chapter's going to finish. <laughs> it's the motto we have for these books is subtext is for cowards. <laughs> totally. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. I've stopped reading most of the first chapter in these books, by the way, because yeah, you can skip the first two pages because it's always my name is blah, blah, blah. I can't tell you anything. I'm in a secret war with some brain slugs. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, is it so? Is this like? Sorry to interrupt. Um, is this? Is it like a different uh, character every book, or are there recurring characters? So it seemed like the, I was supposed the, to know some of the recurring characters. Yeah. Like. Each book is from the point of view of one of the six animorphs, the okay. five children, and the alien. I mean, one of the children is a bird. God, we threw you in one with a lot of weird, like dog robots. <laughs> We, yeah, it was all right. It's okay, it's how you gotta name it. The Chi, the Chi, yeah. So this is fifteen. Did you look at the cover for fifteen of this young oh, boy? I only had the PDF of it. Oh, so. Nate's okay, gonna right. show you the cover of this. You- oh yeah, that's beautiful. I love. I remember all of the Animorphs covers kind of looking like that, where it yeah. would be the the human like kind of morphing on the cover of the thing. And what's wild about these covers is the guy who designed them. He hand drew them all first, and then met with models and had them pose and then would digitally alter them. So he came in with hand drawings and then oh took pictures God. and digitally altered them. Yeah, this is like in Photoshop 1 or like, well, he had right. a special program. Uh, yeah. But MS like. Paint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, because I feel like, I, I don't know the sales figures of these books, but I mean, I feel like they are pretty huge books to the point where, yeah, if you were if you were like illustrating the cover of this book, you would be pretty comfortable being like, yeah, I'm going to need like 50,000 for this. Yeah. 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 yeah okay, sure. His uh, office was very nice. It was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so book 15 starts with our Animorphs at the Mega Mall. Y'all Mega remember mall. Mega Malls? Uh, like yeah. what defines a Mega Mall? Uh, it's like a mall, but I don't know. I guess there's also a Ross. Cool. You guys have Ross in Canada dress for less? Uh. We don't. Uh, do we have Ross? I think we do. I think we do. But we have like similar type stores. Like we have one called Winners, okay. um, and like you know, yeah, we have that type of like discount store. Yeah. <laughs> so what you should know, John, is that these books start one way. They introduce who they are, and then they do some eco terrorism as animals. They, <laughs> right. Okay. They, that's their whole. That's their whole thing. Yeah. The first book because. All the books follow pretty much one trajectory where it's you meet this character, they save some animals, you get to you get to read about a morph like right in the beginning and then they tell a weird space story. And okay. our our eco-terrorism is getting people to not eat at the rainforest cafe because yeah. they have they're holding <laughs> parrots hostage. Exotic Spectacular. Rainforest Cafe, a wild place to shop and eat. 
Yeah. Like, and, like, it's parrot torture. It's not, like, hostage. Because, like, this parrot is on this pedestal outside of, like, a popular opening of a restaurant. And it's getting, like, cigarette butts <laughs> flicked in its face. And everyone's a monster. So our, our brilliant eco-terrorist save the animal plot is turn into parrots and say gross things about hamburgers. It's not a bad plan. Yeah. That, that like, okay, so here are my, I have some notes before we even get to the parrot part. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I wrote, the very first note I wrote is, this seems like a child wrote it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it, it, it has a narrative structure. Like, I'm a teacher. I see lots of written work from kids. It reads like a child wrote it in the sense, like, obviously, the grammar is very simple. But even beyond that, it's like, it's like she, he, you said it's a husband and wife yeah. team, right? Okay, so the two of them, the way they write, it, it, it's like a kid thinking up things in the middle of them writing. Like there was the one example where it was like they're talking about, um, I think, Tobias, who's like a, re- a red-tailed hawk or whatever. Uh-huh. And they're just like, it's it honestly seems like a kid coming up with the idea where it's like yeah he can morph sometimes but then like if he morphs for two hours then he like becomes that thing and then but if he you know and it's like it's the way a child would get excited about an idea like okay what if i wrote a story where like one of the characters morphs into a bird okay but then if it morphs back into a human then it might get stuck as a human in two hours if it's two hours as a human then he's a human so he has to stay a bird and i'm like i'm reading this and i'm like is this is psychotic shit (laughs) yeah it was like blowing my mind where i was like yeah it's literally how a kid like a kid just constantly changing the rules all the time of like what the what the morphing stuff is i'm so glad you're on this podcast because i've always wondered like if somebody jumps in the middle because like when you're by when you run into these as a kid you don't start at one you just get whatever book you get Uh right so that's why they always do the recap in the beginning and i'm glad to hear that it sounds like Calvin Ball. It sounds like insanity, uh, like a kid making up a game. Because, yeah, I get totally. that Totally. That's exactly. It's like basketball. It's like they're just, uh, oh, and then if you do that, then it's this. And it's right. like, okay. And then my sister came in, and she was real mean. And we don't like sisters, but I could turn into a tiger. I eat everybody. Yeah, like it's so, yeah. And it's like, okay, and then, but what if there's one guy who can't turn into a tiger? And if he turns into a tiger, he dies. So then we have to get the other guy who turned, like, it's like, it, it is literally like the ramblings of an eight-year-old child. Is there a way to get out of that, though? Because I think what happened is, like, you know, like, it's rules set up over a series of books. Sure. And sure. they need to establish them really quickly so they get to a story. I, so, like, yeah, could you just, like... There might not be a better way of doing it. It's just like, yeah, for someone who jumps in on book 15, it's very it's very schizophrenic just going back like, okay, it's this, but then it's also this, ah, you know, it's, yeah. It I mean, at least it's not boring, right? No, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, bad, yeah, but it's not boring. True, true. And then I also loved, they had this one part where they're describing the character of Rachel. Oh boy, uh, here we go. Just really like, uh, they really, it's like for a kid's book, it, it takes like a very strange turn where it's like, Rachel is tall and blonde and beautiful and totally without fear. But if you get deep down inside, she's actually a very insecure girl. And that's why she does, appears to have no fear. And it's like, 
who needed that character <laughs> development? Like, no one's like, oh, okay, there's like layers to Rachel. You could just be like, yeah, Rachel's like a badass, uh, you know, badass woman, a uh, young lady who just doesn't fear anything. And I love that it just had to throw in that part. But actually, deep down, she's very insecure. And that's a really, that's a big source of her problems. <laughs> well, and it changes every time, like, because they're all from a first person perspective. So, like, you know, when Marco is telling the story, it's always like slight, a little bit of a crush on Rachel. And then and like, but I know exactly what she's thinking. Right. Yes. Yes. Because he's, a, he's like an insightful that. individual, but, you know, he's also a coward. Well, he's <laughs> a comedian. He tells us that all the time. He's just a funny guy. Did you Mar- find Marco funny? I mean, okay. So here you told me if I wanted to do a dramatic reading that I could. Yes, oh, absolutely. So you guys are talking about the parrot part and like it goes on forever. Yeah, it goes on forever. Ever, it's like, who is this for? Like, they're they're rewriting. There's like twenty punchlines. So yeah. So as you guys said, their their solution to like liberating the the Amazon Cafe, which is obviously like a stand-in for Rainforest Cafe, is that they they morph into parrots and then they start speaking in parrot tongue yep. to like get people to not eat at Rainforest Cafe. So this is the whole section. Uh, it says, here's a clue. It's not easy talking when you have no lips. All the sounds have to kind of be made in the throat, like a ventriloquist. But I figured it out. We all did. And then there was nothing left for us to do but talk to all the people standing in line. And talk is what we did. Squawk. Amazon burgers are made with cat meat. Squawk. Squawk. Try our spaghetti with hair. Squawk. Amazon cafe nachos and toe jam. That and it could end. It could easily end right there. But if you guess that they're gonna do eight more punchlines, then you would be right. Tobias was in the crowd smirking as he watched the people turn slightly green. Axe was with him, scarfing a slice of pizza he'd gotten somewhere. I could only hope it wasn't from the trash. Squawk, botulism, food poisoning. Squawk, enjoy the fried Booker strips. Oddly enough, many people standing in line decided to go and find another restaurant. The restaurant manager took about five minutes to decide that real live parrots were maybe not a good idea, but we decided we'd make dead sure he got the message. Squawk, by the way, is that your nose or are you eating a banana? Squawk, what's that on your head, a wombat? Squawk, it's a toupee, it's a toupee. Squawk, squawk, we should be flying free in our native habitat. (laughs) That last one was Cassie, of course. It was a little talky for a parrot, if you ask me. (laughs) Oh my God. It's just like so many punchlines in a row. And okay, so I'm trying to picture myself in this situation where like I'm waiting in line for Rainforest Cafe and the parrots are squawking like fried booger strips. Like, would that make you walk away from the restaurant? No, I'd be fascinated by this parrot. I'd eat there every day. Yeah, right? You'd be like, this is funny. They're doing a bit. This is hilarious. And like, that's their solution. They're like, well, we just, we, within five minutes, the manager realized, hey, maybe I should let these live parrots free. Yeah, like, what does he do with the parrots? They, see, they never, (laughs) that's what what I hated about this one. Other books, they actually free animals or they threaten people that are mean to animals. Like, in one of the books, Rachel turns into an elephant, picks a carny up, and he's like, if you ever hurt another elephant, I'm going to kill you. And then she throws him and kills him. So, this one, it's just, they're like, oh, haha, booger strips. That's a toupee. The guy who runs this place is ugly. Yeah, it's so not, you know, and I, I guess that's just because it's Marco, it's Marco's point of view, and he's the, like, jokester. Yeah, he... So they're like, okay, we gotta do it, you know? 
They he Honestly, often calls himself like the they say he's the jokester comedian. We just call him the young Sheldon. That's oh yeah, he he's definitely a big time young Sheldon. Big young Sheldon energy from Marco I, for sure. And I have never watched Young Sheldon, so I'm just gonna go with what's in my head. I watched the first six episodes of it for my previous podcast. Oh my uh, god! And it uh, you like hurting yourself? You like? Oh, it. you. Oh, I don't like it, but I but I have done lots of. But it. you have to do it. it it's a compulsion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, people just like it. People like it when you watch, or in this case, read a bad thing. They they're just like, oh, cool. This is great. It is fun. So our, our animals. Okay, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Do you think? That people who listen to this are like genuinely still fans of Animorphs. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It's oh, there are okay. some genuine fans, but they also okay. recognize that some of this is absolute trash. Okay, gotcha. Like, well, there's some garbage in my childhood that I still like, but I know that it's garbage, right? But like, the, right. the, it's a nostalgia button, right? You just yeah, keep on yeah. pressing it. Yeah, and I can totally understand that. Like, uh, Saved by the Bell is like a great example of that for me. Like, I love that show. It doesn't mean it's a good show, but I I could watch it any day, anytime. Like. So, yeah, I understand that. I just wasn't sure if, like, because the writing in this is so bad that I feel like it would be hard as an adult, even if you loved it as a kid, to really connect with it in the same way. Oh, yeah, and it it shifts from character to character for sure because when we read, say, a Tobias book, the very first Tobias book, it's book number three, he's already stuck in the body of a hawk, and it's this story about how he's depressed and he feels like a monster in his own body and he tries to commit suicide. And that's a right. well-written, compelling book for a fucking eight-year-old. And this is just, yeah. oh, there's telepathic frogs who have my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like uh, it's they're all they're at book fifteen and they're already out of ideas. Because yeah, yeah, that is that sounds genuinely interesting because that does seem like the type of thing you would go through if you found out you were like kind of trapped in this animal's body or whatever, like. I get it. I I like that makes sense to me. Whereas like yeah, with this one, it just is kind of like. It's it's almost like a superhero story, kind of in a way. It's like okay, well, there's this there's this conflict, and the only way we can resolve this conflict is by morphing by using these like special powers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's honestly not much to this one, and that's fine. <laughs> well, like here's some, here's some theory crafting then, because like I think here's what happened is around book fifteen, it started becoming very popular, and they like I'm guessing I have no clue, but I feel like they had to extend out the book contract. Right. That's why nothing gets resolved in this one. Oh, yeah. There's yeah, like, yeah. you know, like we, we touch on like Marco's mom and then leave. Yeah. Right. Well, let's get to it naturally because I think that, you know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah we'll so there right. they're, they do their ecoterrorism. They get away. That's when they see their old buddy, Eric King, who, John, Eric King is based on a real guy. He won oh, a contest. Okay. He won a contest. We talked to oh, him. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's like when the it's like when the make a wish kids are in a sports game. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Super, and they're super powered. Yeah. They, okay, Eric cool. King has excellent potential. Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I know. That was always like there was NHL was the worst for that because and like obviously it's an amazing thing that like, uh, you know, to put these kids in the game. But I there was one specific year of NHL where one of where the there was only one Make-A-Wish kid in the game and they were just 99. And <laughs> if you could just get them on your team, they were the they were literally the best player in the game. Well, and Eric King is like a super strong murderous dog robot. Yeah. The first <laughs> yeah, book with okay. Eric King, he shows up and he murders every they hack his computer soul and he is able to murder like hundreds of people and he gets PTSD and he's like, we're never doing murder again. Sorry. Oh, man, that's nuts. Yeah. I, it's, okay. It's... Here's another thing that I will say, because we start to get into like Eric the Chi and the 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 Yerks, the Yerks, Yerks, we whatever. We say Yerks. 
Yerkes K. So like the the naming conventions in this book are the stupidest. It's I impossible it. it's so to good. follow. <laughs> yeah. There's like the 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 Hork Bajir. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, Did you like, Google any of these monsters? Absolutely not. The <laughs> uh, the the Visser. Like so. Here's the thing. Okay. Obviously, like you know, um, there's just something to be said, and it is one thing that does kind of separate kids like really good children's books from like lesser children's books and it's like these names are so bad they're impossible to follow like you know obviously jk rowling piece of shit person Mm -hmm. and i will never read harry potter again but like the names of the four houses are perfect they're so well named and you're like okay these they follow perfectly one of them rhymes slytherin has the root of slither in it and they're like snake like people it is griffins are heroic like everything about it is named perfectly and this is like it's impossible to follow for someone who's just coming in on book 15. It's like, yeah, this guy's a chi and this person the we got the hork bajirs who are run by the Vissers, And then there's also these taxons and they're, it's like the names are awful. They don't, they don't connect to anything. And so it's, it's impossible to follow. I spent yeah, this if, entire if kid, book. Though, like if you're yeah, a kid, you kind of like you read these names and I think you just get obsessed with them. Like it's the Pokemon syndrome, right? Where you start memorizing them and you get real deep into it, you know? Fair enough. Like, again, I'm not reading this with a child's lens, so fair enough. But it's just like... I mean, both of you I are just, reading this with an adult's lens, so I'm loving hearing this. No, I, I, I have just a child couldn't brain, get over so. Hork Bajir. I spent the entire book being like, what does that mean? Who are those people? <laughs> I can't... See, that's great, though. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, it just... I mean, tough, we could explain so. it to you, but I, I'm going to let Don't, you picture whatever you've got. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. <laughs> so, they talk to Eric King, who's a robot who projects a hologram <laughs> God. To, to pretend to be security guards because he says, oh, no one's going to care about security guards, which I was a security guard. That's true. Nobody cared what the fuck I did. Yeah. I, I remember being a security guard when they were building the hospital I was working in, mm-hmm. and they built the sky bridge on the third floor between the two buildings before it was finished. So I just go out there on my break and let my legs dangle off the sky bridge. I even peed off of it to see if I could have one stream go from the sky bridge to the ground. Felt great. Were you able to? Yeah. Nice. Yep, that was, that was before the ravages of age slowed me down. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Eric King basically says, hey. Here's the plot. <laughs> yeah, your, your mom is talking to telepathic frogmen <laughs> yes. off Justin Roiland Island. Can you please go stop them because then they'll be able to take over the world. Justin Roiland Island? It was called Roiland. I wrote in my notes Justin Roiland Island because I wasn't going to remember the real name. Yeah, that's fair. Royan. I wrote it down because oh. I'm, I'm a good bookman. You're better at notes than I am. That's cool. It's Fine. True. Whatever. And the Lyrans. The Lyrans. I love the Lyrans. Oh, yes. The oh, Lyrans. yeah. There's another one. There's another dumb name. Yeah. yeah. Another dumb name for a dumb looking thing. But I do have one little bit. This is the part that I like where it sort of explicitly lays out Marco's incel impotent rage character right from the beginning <laughs> he there's he, jake knows that marco's mom is the leader of the yurks but he doesn't tell anyone else and he says this i hadn't wanted the others to know the truth that my mother had been made into a controller that the yurk inside her head was the original commander of the earth invasion i didn't want their pity i still don't i'm a joker i'm a comedian that's how i deal with life see I've always believed that to some extent you get to decide for yourself what your life will be like. You can either look at the world and say, oh, isn't it all so tragic, so grim, so awful, or you can look at the world and decide that it's mostly funny. If you step far enough back from the details, everything gets funny. You say war is tragic, 
I say, isn't it crazy the way people will fight over nothing? People fight wars to control crappy little patches of empty desert, for crying out loud. It's like fighting over an empty soda can. It's not so much tragic as it is ridiculous. Asinine, stupid. You say, isn't it terrible about global warming? And I say, no, it's funny. We're going to bring on global warming because we ran too many leaky air conditioners? We used too much spray deodorant, so now we'll be doomed to sweat forever? That's not sad. That's irony. Note to Alanis, that is ironic. Great joke. Great little capper on there. It's... I read this now. It's a manifesto, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And last week, the sky was red. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just too hot. That's a problem. Yeah, it's, like, cool that uh, he just gets this kind of, like, very dramatic soliloquy in this book. <laughs> and it's, like, it's funny that you were talking about the third book with Tobias because, yeah, like, you know, we'll get into it a bit later as well, but... The book does, like, ostensibly, the writing level of this book makes me feel like it's geared towards, like, 8 to 10-year-olds. That's about and right. Ta- 8 and to it 13. Tackles, it tackles some, like, pretty big, like, yeah, my I watched my mom die in front of me. The world is, like, a joke. Like, every everything, the world, the, how we shaped the world was, like, a joke and stupid. And, like, it just... It's very interesting to me that it for being such a deeply silly book in in terms of the like, oh, we change into animals and we go fight people or whatever. It it does get very serious for some reason. Yeah, it's and you're keying into a big part of why these books are still popular now with adults who read them, because as you read the series, you start to realize that these kids are getting PTSD from becoming child soldiers. One of the running themes from the books is that they constantly get disemboweled, but they morph back to human, but they still have the dreams and have to live with the feeling of being disemboweled. <laughs> so you get these right. kids walking around like, oh, I remember when a shark ripped me in half once. That sucks. Yeah, that's too much. I don't like that. It's Yeah, that's what these books are. <laughs> yeah, okay. We gave you a light one, but some of them get really dark. I mean, like, I would probably like that now as a 35-year-old man, but it just, like, it's impossible not to read these with, like, the lens of a child reading them, and it's like, this is, like, some deep shit. Well, Tyler, as, as someone who read them as a child, like, how, how did you react to the disembowelings? I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I hope Marco's right. okay. Yeah, but, like, did, you, did, like, the deeper message, like, penetrate your brain? Absolutely or? not. Okay. Nope, okay. not even close. That was yeah, very dumb okay. for a long time. I mean, I was like 10 in 1995. Like, I don't think if I read the phrase global warming, I would even know what that meant. Yeah, me like, neither. I, I would have just probably like glossed over that that part, you know. I mean, I think even at that time in life, not many people were really talking about it. Like, it was this kind of a... I remember that time was very uh, like ozone heavy. Yeah, that was like the big thing. We're, there were, there's going to be a hole in the ozone layer. And yeah. that was like... And, and, and all you kind of knew as a kid was like that because that was cfc's was like the big thing then the aerosol cans the the chlorofluorocarbons that was the biggest like if you keep using spray cans you're going to put a hole in the ozone layer and if there's a hole in the ozone layer the earth will get hotter yeah but as a kid you have that's all you know you're just like okay the earth's going to get a little bit hotter we shouldn't use this stuff yeah you you figure out oh i need to smell bad so i don't kill the earth like i can't use deodorant yeah other, yeah, that was how I put it together. I was like, well, okay, I just won't use deodorants. That's why I, I stunk a lot. It's fine. <laughs> sorry, okay, sorry, Jessica. All right, it's just that 
I read Animorphs 15 and they said that you can't use spray deodorant. So what do you want? Yeah, okay? it's, it's actually a joke that I smell bad. It's not bad, really. Yeah. I. Like, it's funny that your parents died. <laughs> it's funny that one of our friends got cancer and died in high school. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, that's a nice peek into who Marco is. You kind of yes. get right away that he sees everything as a walking joke. Right. And Eric, he says all the sincere things with it, like a laugh afterwards. That, yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm in severe pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is like if you're a kid, you would never connect that like what the authors are trying to drive at is that he's so distraught over the death of his mother that this is like the way that this is his like coping mechanism. As a kid, you would never assume that. You'd just be like, oh, ha, Marco's the funny one. <laughs> and honestly, I, I'd never put together what they were doing with Marco while reading it, but rereading this as an adult, I saw my own patterns coming back where it's like, oh, I also use humor to make fun of all the awful shit in my life oh i see where i learned this this is i fucking hate you <laughs> well you didn't right. learn it from marco uh, i mean marco conan o'brien those those are the big two <laughs> everywhere my, yeah. essentially that's what everyone same. says those are the big two animorphs and conan o'brien i those are my two emotional influences but i grew up to look like the masturbating bear so it's fine <laughs> it works out it is also interesting too that like um that the so the, the this part of the book is a little bit deeper and makes like a little bit more you know it's a little bit of world building and and it's kind of like interesting and then the, and then it's just over then there's <laughs> like then it then it's just like okay now it's a 45 page sprint to the finish uh where it plays out like an action novel yeah. and all of this is just discarded basically like we get a little bit of drama later with with marco re-meeting his mother or whatever but yeah for the most part it's just like okay here's some like depressing weird character building and now we gotta go do this action adventure <laughs> Wait, now it's time to talk about sharks yeah. <laughs> like, yes exactly <laughs> totally it's so, so what, what's their plan so they get like this like plot dump of yeah. there's a secret underwater base by an island yeah there's an there's something going on with this island you need to figure it out mm -hmm. because we don't want telepathic frog monsters to take over the universe is that it, is it well they, they don't yeah. know that. they just know that there's yurks underwater and they're up to no good and we gotta go well, they, find them they mention the lyrans yeah and so that leads marco to talk to axe the andalite which John, can you describe an Andalite? No, I have no idea. Just take a guess. Well, it, it seems to be some sort of like, um, again, I'm very sorry to connect this to Harry Potter, it's but fine. it seems like a kind of like a mudblood situation where he's like kind of looked down on with derision by certain groups in the novel. Um, but then he's also seen as like a very valuable member of the Animorphs team. <laughs> so I'll, I'll describe to you as best I can what an Andalite looks like. Okay. They're a pale blue centaur with no mouth and a knife tail with stock oh. eyes on top of their head. I mean, I certainly had absolutely no idea that Axe was Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yep. I, I tried. I was reading this and I was like, God, I hope they describe what these monsters look like. Oh, this is going to suck for him. They're not saying anything. Uh, I mean, it didn't really matter that I didn't know what he looked like. Like, I think, you know. Like, is my assessment correct as far as the, like, the kind of people look at him weirdly and stuff? They do look at him weirdly, especially when he pretends to be human. 
Okay. And then when he's an Andalite, they're like, oh, yeah, he's our friend, but he's also a dickhead to us sometimes because he thinks he's smarter than us, which he is. Right. Gotcha. Okay. You're a pretentious alien, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, you dumb humans. You don't understand computers. I'm computerman. Okay. So th- Got it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So they make a plan. This, does, this is like in the pantheon of dumb Animorphs plan. This is up there. They're going to go to the zoo so Tobias can become a dolphin yeah because he didn't get the dolphin yeah i don't know why like they can't just this scene never needed to happen (laughs) it's well i literally wrote in my notes the whole scene with the dolphin at the theme park is insane (laughs) yeah every every part of it it's because like they fly there as seagulls but like marco wants to have fun on a roller coaster so he rides a roller coaster as a seagull (laughs) so a point you made john that i really liked was that there's this weird darkness and then nonsense next to it like i look at the scene with marco and jake on the roller coaster where marco's thinking to himself i don't know why i'm riding this roller coaster and then he looks to his best friend jake and he says hey are we always going to be friends are we always going to be like this tell me things are going to be okay and jake's like i don't know i'm not a philosopher i don't i can't help you there bud (laughs) yeah it's just so strange and then like and just the whole part of like um, you know, they, they, they like Tobias like grabs onto the dolphin <laughs> yeah. as part of the like dolphin show. And then he like, and then people in the crowd think it's like a hawk and dolphin show or <laughs> people something. People are just cool with it. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> it was just like so bizarre to me. You, you got to remember like, this is 1998 like, pre 9-11 when a hawk and dolphin show could have been great. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to SeaWorld to see uh, Shamu and the hawk. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's just so strange, so strange. Um, and just the idea that like, so Tobias uh, sinks his claws into the dolphin, but then like the dolphin loves it. And the dolphin's like, oh, hell yeah, cool. I got a partner. Let's fucking rip it. You yeah. know, and it's like, oh, and but then the dolphin also is smart enough to be like, okay, now I'm ready to get this hawk off my back. I will jump through this tight hoop. <laughs> and the hawk gets knocked off of my back as I go through the hoop. It's like the whole thing is so bananas. Yeah. I I'm- just, I, and it's like it, in a good way, I think like it is kind of funny and insane. And like, again, I feel like it's we're at book 15. They're already out of ideas. They're like, OK, we've had, a, you know, yeah, we could have them just walk down to the ocean and like touch a dolphin or we could have them go to this theme park and <laughs> do the and do it this way. And it, and, it, and it is kind of like fun, but it's also just so nuts. I'm like, I the whole time I was reading it, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's a lot of it. And I read scenes like this where it's like, oh, OK, I see why this spawned a lot of furries. Got it. OK, wait, that was the scene. <laughs> well, that's a scene that probably <laughs> like, it's like, oh, I'm a I'm small hawk, you know, S.M.O.L. I'm small hawk going to ride my lathe dolphin G.F. See, like, uh, we're on different wavelengths, wavelengths of, like, you know, the furrydom, uh, the furry fandom of this this thing. Because, like, it's the gross transformations. That's, that's well, the, I mean, yeah, there's the gross the transformations. That's the sexual part. That's but, then, the... <laughs> but then sometimes you get to see cute little hawk ride beautiful dolphin for fun. Right, yeah. Do you think that, like, so do you think that the furry interest in this is based on, like, let's recreate some of these scenes sexually? There's, I think, some of that. There's also a lot of understated and mildly romantic, almost sexual descriptions of morphing in some of these books. Right, okay. 
It's so it's so it's almost more of a like masturbation thing than a sex thing per se. Uh probably. I I, I wouldn't want to speak for the community. Uh, Me neither. <laughs> like, just, I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, my, I, my guess I, is though that it's like. There's some good relationship dynamics between, like, some of the Animorphs. Yeah, Rachel and Tobias, the yeah. bird boy, they are a couple. They get the most attention in, like, okay. the art that I've seen. Well, I'm just going to... I'll put it out there. My DMs are open. If you listen to this show and you are a furry, send me a DM and tell me what it is you're getting out of this. I'm I'm curious. You, I'd you love to know. You can't close that box once you open it. That's, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I don't care. Forbidden I'll, I will knowledge. open... I'll open that inbox. I, I I don't know. I know nothing about the furry community, um, I, other than the other than the very offensive Entourage episode where oh. uh, where Johnny Drama dresses up in a mascot uh, costume and the person that he's sleeping with thinks it's Turtle. So it's like actually like a sexual assault scene using uh, like furry costumes. Um, that's the only exposure. So someone needs to set me right. So uh, Johnny Drama had stolen Turtle Valor. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it was like so so Turtle had met this like hot girl and he couldn't believe that the girl was into him because of course like in in entourage lore like Turtle is a is a bigger dude um and so like it, it, it it's like a constant plot line in the show that like if Turtle pulls a hot woman, it's like, oh my, how is Turtle doing this? Because he's he's fat and therefore disgusting and who would want to fuck him? And so that's like, that's kind of the jokes that are made at Turtle's expense throughout the show. So then there's this one episode where Turtle meets this really uh, attractive woman and even Turtle himself is like blown away. He's like, how is this woman into me? I can't believe it. And she seems to almost be into the fact that he's bigger. Like it, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, you're like a big, soft, j- pillowy, gentle <laughs> man. Like it's kind of a, you know, that's how it gets played up. And so Turtle's like, oh, my God. And then she says she's like, um, I want to fuck you, basically. But can you pick up my dry cleaning first? Bring the dry cleaning to my house and then we'll fuck. And Turtle's like, OK. So he goes to pick up the dry cleaning and the dry cleaning is furry suits. Oh, this means something to you, drama? Oh, yeah. means <laughs> you got a furry, bro. What the fuck's a furry? And so Turtle is very perplexed by this because he's like, I don't understand. Like, is she a mascot for a sports team or something? And Drama's like, no, you idiot. Like, she fucks in these. Like, that's her whole thing is like, she wants to have sex with you while you're both wearing these suits. And Turtle's like, what? Like, he's never heard of this before. And Drama's like the sexual voice of reason. And Turtle's like, what? That's insane. Like, I can't do this. And and Drama's like, but she's so hot. Like, how could you not do this? And Turtle's like, I can't, you know, or whatever. And Drama's like, I don't give a shit. I'll do it then. So Drama just puts on the mascot suit, drives to this woman's house. She does not know that it's Drama in the suit. She thinks it's Turtle. And he has sex with the, with the woman. Jesus Christ, I forgot how bad Entourage's politics were. <laughs> So bad. I just rewatched it. It's really bad. Oh man, that sucks. Yeah. It really sucks bad. So I, I apologize to. I know that uh, you know the furry community listens to the show. Please don't get offended by that. I'm just reporting what happened. In no way do I condone any of that. Yeah, this is not. Well, Entourage has been canceled. This is not. Oh, yeah, Entourage <laughs> has been canceled many times, many times. But yeah, like. It, I am curious. I'm curious what, uh, like, I can understand why a furry would like this, but I, I, if you're comfortable with it, my DMs are open. Let me know what it is. Yeah, I'm, and I, my I DMs are open too, so please keep sending me the pictures you've been sending me. <laughs> Don't send me pictures. Just a description would be fine. <laughs> so their plan, 
They get there. They get their 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 morph. Yeah, after the, like the the dolphin adventure. Marco's like, I'm gonna fly into Tobias. That's oh yeah, that's right. He saves the day. Yeah, Marco's <laughs> like, I'm a seagull. I'm gonna fly into this bird and knock him off. It's fine. It works. It's a good plan. And they they uh, Tobias is rightfully pissed because he thinks seagulls are stupid and he's afraid of water. Yeah, a little bit of bird class. So, I mean, there's a lot around. of bird <laughs> yes. discrimination in these books. Yeah, you can tell that the author just loved birds of prey. Because all the characters morph into a different bird of prey, and they talk about, oh, this one is this class within the birds of prey realm, or this is the oh, biggest one. I have a big time note on that, but it's later on, so we'll, uh, well, I'll save it. We'll it's very important. It's very important that 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 note happens in the scene we're talking about. Okay, fair enough. So they go to the island. I'm glad the entourage yeah. note in mine happened where it happened as well. You have, yes. you have an entourage note. <laughs> I mean, I've watched all of entourage. I'm, I'm I used to out. have a suit suck t-shirt too. That's how much into Entourage oh, I was. Oh baby, there we go. It's like, yeah, I'd watch Queens Boulevard. Hell yes, I would. Of yeah, course yeah. I would. Of course I would. Oh, okay. No more Entourage talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely lost. Yeah, I have no... yeah. I'm just, I stop. It's such a bad show. It's such a bad show. So bad. But in quarantine, it just felt like the right thing to watch. It was like, I'm going to punish myself kind of. And it's just like, it's so breezy and easy to watch. It but would, it, but it's bad. It's a, it's. I'll never watch it again. That that was the last time I ever looked. Now, at did it you end with the movie too? No, I didn't rewatch the movie. Yeah. I probably should, but I no. Know, please don't. You've given it enough <laughs> okay, of your well, life. You're time right, is you're precious. Right. It's all we have, and you're giving True. it to Entourage. Dude, that was the problem. I had too much time, so I'm like, <laughs> okay, I can go back and rewatch Entourage. I'm doing nothing else. It's fine. You're a better man than I. <laughs> so they they fly to the island as seagulls. Right. Tobias yeah. hates it because he likes being. He, well, he's also afraid of the ocean. Which he I is get. afraid of the ocean. Which I'm afraid of the ocean. John, are you afraid of the ocean? No. Oh damn. Yeah, get, we're just cowards. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. This, yeah. No, this I'm is not a cowards podcast, by the way. That's okay. I'm a, I'm normally a coward, but I'm not afraid of the ocean. <laughs> they fly out to the island. They're like, oh look, a mansion. Yeah. Oh, with guards. Never going to talk about that again. Yeah. <laughs> That's gone. There's like, well, why don't we just go in the water instead? The the dog robot said that, you know, it's an amphibious frog that's telepathic, so maybe it's underwater. Yeah, okay. So so they, they go underwater. They, they have fun as dolphins. Yeah, they're swimming around. So part of these books is whenever they turn into an animal, as you saw, the animal brain kind of takes over for a little bit. And dolphins, like dogs, apparently just love to have fun. Yeah. yeah, why not? You know, and it, they, they like to get fishical, which I thought that was also very <laughs> funny. I'm like, what kid, what, is there a kid reading this who would understand an Olivia Newton-John <laughs> reference? Yeah, that kid is like a 40-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe the authors had some foresight. They're like, you know what? In 25 years, the furry community is going to really embrace these books as adults, and we're going to throw in some jokes for them. Oh, don't. If you ever read any more of these, you'll be surprised at some of the weird shit they hide in these. Oh, okay. I mean, yes, I'm sure I would be. But don't read anymore. Well, I won't. <laughs> there's there's another great reference for kids coming up too because once they so they they go down yeah they, they use they, their echo the dolphin power yeah they find the hologram they find the hidden secret base and they they look inside and I guess it's just an office inside it's described as Dilbert esque yeah. <laughs> uh, yes like great, any another office great full of engineers or whatever <laughs> Dilbert yeah. looking place like yeah it's, kids love Dilbert yeah back before Dilbert was I don't know. Should, 
Should we talk about Scott Adams? No, we should not no. talk about Scott Adams. No, I don't want to talk about Scott Adams. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Never look up Scott Adams. Yeah, don't kill your exactly. heroes, I guess. <laughs> For all the Dilbert fans out there. Yeah, the Animorphs Dilbert fans. Very small. I can think of one. So they, I, they swim down there. They get surrounded. Well, yeah, they, they, they check out the base. They, they decide to come back later, I think. No, no, it's... they get surrounded by uh, hammerheads. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. The yeah, hammerheads get scared show off. Up. They get scared off by the by the hammerhead sharks. Yeah, so. hammerheads show up. There's like four of them. They're working in order, and they're like, "What the fuck? Why? Why are hammerheads working like this?" Yeah, they, they, then they, ten they, more show up and surround them. Yeah. So yeah. here's their first plan: is just let's beat one up, <laughs> which I think is a great plan because, yeah. like, I yeah. guess well they they've dealt with sharks before, right? Mm-hmm. So they know that you know sharks just kind of go blood crazy when there's blood in the water. Yeah. So they do that. They beat up a shark. Uh, and all the other sharks kind of just ignore the the bloodied up shark and then start like keep trying to kill them. Yeah, like start doing like military maneuvers. They get flanked on one side, then they get surrounded, and you know, like it's a whole sequence. It's it's the animorphs action sequence where it's kind of boring, but you just you know, go through it. Yeah, you gotta get through it's it. Fine. Marco does the honorable thing and runs away. Yeah, but yes. he's good at running away though. Because like their their first plan, Jake's plan is just like uh, push real hard. Yeah, through. let's punch one and see what happens. Yeah, let's let's go through the line and just push real hard. Uh, and Marco's the one that comes up with like just jump over the bastards. Like it's fine; they can't jump. My my dad had the same plan with raising children. J- jump over your children? No, punch one and see what happens. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. My dad only dark. has one kid, by the way. It's me. <laughs> yeah, it's so good, right? sending Scott. a lesson. He's sending a lesson to the other siblings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You better watch out, my wife's uterus. <laughs> so they, they get away, right? Yeah. They get away. They fly back home. They, they And then the, this is Marco's kind of uh, solo, footloose, kind of I need to express my feelings section where I guess, he goes to his room. Well, before we go to that, I mean, yes, there's that. We should also describe what a Lyran is. Oh, God. Do they oh, talk yeah, about sure. that? Yeah, they describe it. So okay. uh, let me read to you what this new, scary, telepathic, amphibian water uh, monster is. Standing beside the chair, this is next to Marco's mom, was a bizarre creature. It had pebbly yellowish skin that seemed slimy like it was coated with Vaseline. It sat like a frog on big hind legs with webbed feet. But instead of a frog's tiny front legs, this creature had four tentacles spaced evenly around its body. It had a big head that just sat on its shoulders with no neck. The face was curved outward with a hugely wide mouth that seemed frozen in a sort of idiot grin. There were two eyes, both brilliant green and large. So that's what drives by them with Marco's mom. Yeah, like they come by in a sub as they're escaping. And, and it's like, I, I like the idea of a psychic frog monster. That seems okay. I What I liked about it was the frog looks at Marco and then shivers. So it's almost like being telepathic hurts. <laughs> I would love it if telepathy hurt. Yeah, yeah, it's a trade-off. And then they fly home. Yeah, they go home. Yeah, they go home. Marco, oh, he does racism. I totally forgot that. Wait, he does a racism? Where? Well, I mean, he talks like a Jamaican guy, which I don't think yeah, we're allowed a, to do that he does anymore. A, he does a cultural appropriation. Yeah, it's, yeah. He doesn't want to read Lord of the Rings. You ever read Lord of the Rings, John? No. They're okay. They're long and boring. I'm kind of on Marco's side on this one. Yeah, too long. I, I, yeah, I, I liked The Hobbit. I read The Hobbit when I was fairly young, and I liked it. And then I think I just... 
I think I got maybe a hundred pages into whatever the for the Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. is it the first one, and I, I was just like, I read them all when I was security guard. Guys, I was a really bad security guard. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm learning this. <laughs> like no one ever paid attention to me, and I just pissed off a bridge and yeah. read a, read I, a bunch. I peed. I walked around. I had phone sex there. It's fine. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, it sounds like you were doing your job. I, I was doing a job. Yes. Yeah. I, I. They're like, you need. My job was to take pictures of surgical equipment they were installing in this hospital they were building so i worked eight hours i had 10 minutes of work to do and they said oh if you walk around that's fine but you're really only here to take pictures of the surgical equipment so we know if some of it's missing so i'd go get that done real quick and then i would literally just read watch tv on my phone or have phone sex at work that sounds a perfect job. Or I would sneak job. around like I'd watch the contractors working and I'd just be like, man, I wish I was doing that. <laughs> wish you had purpose in life. <laughs> yeah. I wish I didn't have a fake badge and this stupid outfit. Ugh. Did you have a gun? No. God, no. So you weren't like the aquarium cops. <laughs> no. Yeah, no kidding. No, I was just oh, man. a fat guy making $12 an hour wandering around a partially built hospital masturbating and peeing everywhere. Excellent. Wow. Congratulations. That's, I mean, that's the American dream, or so I thought. I think so, pretty much. Yeah. So Marco goes home. He doesn't want to read. This is when he, like, breaks down, right? Yeah. Well, he just saw his dead mom riding a sub next to a psychic frog, and (laughs) this didn't take it well. Yeah. I mean, would you, let's be honest, if you saw your dead mom with a psychic frog in a submarine? Yeah, no, I wouldn't take it well. But I also don't know that I would... uh, you know, I mean, I, I do think people very classically associate Bob Marley with sadness. <laughs> so, yeah. I yeah. thought that was pretty awesome of like all the things he could listen to. He's like, man, I'm feeling pretty low. I'm just going to commiserate with Bob Marley. Yeah. And then I like that they, they managed to say that the one thing he could is like uh, he puts on no woman no cry yeah. and it translates way too easily in my head as no, no mother, mother no cry <laughs> and you said uh, this was badly written how dare you're right. you <laughs> you're right that's perfect That's but wouldn't it be no mother yes cry yeah. isn't that what we're kind of like getting at too it's like oh uh, it was just very well it's ironic uh, because of Marco's ironic detachment right true yeah but yeah, that was just so funny. I, I like, yeah, and he's like, I bought the CD. The, he's talking about Bob Marley. I bought the CD at a point when I was considering growing dreadlocks. <laughs> Never mind why. Okay, it had to do with this girl at school. You know, all those girls when we grew up that were like, oh, I'd, I'd love John if only he grew some dreadlocks. <laughs> I, I'm awesome. not going to lie. I considered growing dreadlocks when I was nice. this age. Was it okay. like a puka shell era? Because of- I think we're all 1985 boys, yeah? I'm 85, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I saw Biodome at the right age where I thought okay. Stephen, what was it? Was it Stephen Baldwin? Yeah. With yeah. the like parted hair down the middle with the short dreads. Like, oh, that's right. my look. That's going to be my look. That's who I'm going to be forever. Yeah, Beach Bum was popular. That was a thing. I guess that's true. The kind of like short dreadlocks weren't so bad. Like I'm picturing like the really long, but yeah, you're right. That was like... I don't think that I went to school with anybody that had them, but I do like that was definitely a style that existed was the like, yeah, the short almost look like little squares uh-huh. taken out of their head and you'd have the little. Yeah. Yeah. So that, okay. Like, yeah, that's fair. It's like my, yeah, that, my dream at this age was two things to look like that and to listen to white zombie every day so that one day I could have an offspring cover band. That was my ultimate goal in life. 
And Sounds you great. currently achieve that. No, nope. just a fucking nurse. <laughs> but you think I don't look at my life as a failure for not having white man dreads? <laughs> hey, I mean, you listen, still man. can. There's no, nothing is technically stopping you. Yes. <laughs> I got a cure. I got a cure for that sadness. It's a little album called Legend. <laughs> Bob Marley and the Whalers ever heard of them? Uh, I have I'm surprised they didn't work it. that into a joke. I I knew I could never be Bob Marley, but being one of the Whalers, <laughs> pretty. Yeah. I feel throw that. out some more Marco yeah. Bob Marley jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got like 40 jokes about the Rainforest Cafe. Where's the Bob Marley content? <laughs> We're just yeah. gonna have to go with this tiny little bit here. So yeah, he sadly puts on Bob Marley, starts screaming. Right, Dad catches. His son screaming into a pillow. <laughs> yeah. And and handles it well. Like, I don't know how I'd handle a screaming kid in a pillow situation. I mean, I didn't scream into a pillow as a kid. I sort of just sat there quietly when I was sad. Yeah. Like, you know, when your friend, like, you're playing with your friend and he'd hit you and you'd, like, fall down. Like, I never, like, cried because I, I knew that I was not allowed to cry in front of friends. So I'd lay there with my hand over my face just waiting for it to pass. Yeah. Like, I'd just completely go catatonic with my hand over my face, and that's how I got out of crying in front of my friends. Yeah. You so, guys ever share emotions? No, never. <laughs> oh, I cried. I cried all the time. I was a big crier. I didn't. I, I couldn't help it. I was had a really bad temper. I had a lot of emotions when I was a child. So, yeah, if I got mad or sad or anything, I cried a lot. I, everybody I went to high school, or sorry, not high school, everybody I went to elementary school with saw me cry. <laughs> High school, I got over it. I got over it by high school, but <laughs> thank yeah, God for it was, that. Uh, I, I wish, I wish I was more controlled. I probably would have had more friends, but no, you would be a weird, emotionally stunted man like me, <laughs> <laughs> who now admits this to his best friend and a stranger on the internet. Well, I mean, yeah, like I'm a different about. emotional stuntedness in that, like I don't do it on the internet, only to myself in the mirror at night. Oh, it's like that scene from Mandy uh, with like Nicolas Cage in his underwear. That, that I have one of those like maybe once every five years where he's I'm, just screaming, yeah. drinking bourbon, crying. Okay, yeah, just get all out at once. I'm just imagining Nate looking into the mirror at night, listening to Bob Marley. I'm gonna try like, it the next time I'm sad. Like, see what happens. I shot the sheriff. Turned way too easily into I shot my own head off. <laughs> Here's the thing though, I kind of associate with the Bob Marley thing because the first time I did mushrooms, oh, no. all my friends <laughs> left me Here alone. Sorry. With a, with a Bob Marley poster. <laughs> and so I <laughs> tripped real hard with Bob Marley and just had a nice conversation with him. You didn't want okay, to go be on honest. the walk. We had to leave you. I was afraid of be- going outside, man. It was be a bad honest. time. <laughs> How many times did you say Mon? When you I, no, I did, not, I did not do a Mon. It was actually a very deep, like, interpersonal, like, what am I doing with my life, Bob Marley kind of a conversation. <laughs> he was understanding and he listened. <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> yep. That's like the time I took mushrooms and talked to a tree at your house. It's yeah, fine. yeah. Different. Different things. I get it. So we I, we do get a nice peek into Marco's insecurity here, which I'll read just a little bit. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm me, Marco. Not some touchy-feely, share-your-feelings-with-a-group kind of person. I don't share feelings. I make people laugh. I mean, that resonates with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't... I am now... Thanks to a shitload of therapy, able to share my emotions and feelings in a healthy, non-joking way. So that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Must be. (laughs) 
<laughs> I give you these chances every episode to open up and be genuine for like two fucking seconds, and every single time you do this, tell I don't make. I mean, progress. that was progress pretty genuine. Losers, I stay in one spot. That's you are my constant friend. I, I'm your rock, and that I will never change, and I always abuse you. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, given how I grew up, you know, I like the abuse. It's fine. Yeah, it works. So, oh, like, Lord. so what happens? Like, where are we in this story? So, Marco, they, like, <laughs> his dad comes in, says, hi, are you doing okay, son? Are you winning? Yeah, he, he's like, no, I can't share my feelings with dad, but I can watch some sports with the old guy. But, like, that that's a re- that felt real. That felt like a real yeah, experience. Totally. Oh, yeah, totally. Now, is it like, uh, like, his dad obviously wouldn't know about his, uh, like, morphing powers yeah, or whatever? Yeah, he doesn't like know. He, the dad knows nothing. Right. You got to keep it. You got to keep it tight. I guess yeah. they, they don't tell. They can't tell anybody. It's like Ghost Rider. Pretty much. You, know, you can't yeah. tell anyone about Ghost Rider <laughs> unless exactly they see like him. Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. It's yeah. So, uh, I mean, I get that definitely from like a preteen sense because I still haven't had an open or emotional conversation with my parents even after they found this podcast and told me they weren't <laughs> a fan of the things I was saying about them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like now you don't have to have that conversation in person. That's so. true. They get to just be angry about it. They're just glad it's not on Facebook where my sister posts. <laughs> it's fine. Oh my god. Uh, so their plan is to go to SeaWorld oh. again to get a hammerhead shark morph because they're like, well, we'd, let's just be hammerhead sharks. That's yeah, the like, only way. It's not a bad plan, like, you know, blending with the sharks. So they go to SeaWorld. And they get caught by the aquarium police? Yeah. Like, yes. I don't know what the deal is. Like, why all these people are armed. Yeah, why also, do aquarium like, police have armed? Like, why do they have guns? I mean, Tyler, you have experience as a security guard. Like, what are? how are there, like, five dudes? I don't like, know. It's, like, like, you would have one guy, yeah, right? Yeah, like, for yeah. the whole aquarium, you'd have one guy. Yeah. Even, there wouldn't be, like, this whole... I think you'd have to make sure the other guy didn't fall asleep. Yeah, there. so right. when I was in this 10-story hospital being built, there was me inside and one guy who sat in a car outside and just smoked pot. Right, okay. It's, that's fine. That's what it was. Yeah, right. Pro- you would think, like, in an actual aquarium, same situation. Yeah, I I would not give aquarium guards guns. I would, you shouldn't even give security no. guards guns. Yeah, <laughs> By the time I left, they were all right-wing psychos. And like, yeah, well, the, of course. The first, okay, so what happens when they get caught? One of them's like, hey, kids, stop. Hey, what's that monster? And then one of them's like, I know what that monster is because I'm an evil alien. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, so it's that, like, it's that meme picture, right, of, like, the two people on the moon, right? Does, doesn't the guard try to, like, knock out the other guard? Yeah, he knocks out the other guard. Yeah, of, like, you know, like, you've seen too much. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they get, like, chased into, like, the undersea exhibit of the aquarium. Yeah, is that right? the, yeah. the underwater tunnel. Which are rad. I love those things. I... See, this book, rereading it, I was terrified because every time I've gone in those underwater tunnels, all I can think of, what if this breaks open? And they do that in this book. They break it open. Yeah. John, do you think aquariums are cool? Like, are you pro-aquarium or... Uh, yeah. That's, these are like, the tough questions yeah. we ask on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. There's no softballs here. That's okay. I, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, it, it's hard because... So, the Vancouver Aquarium actually just shut down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, like, lost all their money or whatever, but... um. It's tough because, like, from what I know about the Vancouver Aquarium, it is actually like a rehabilitation center mm-hmm. for the animals that are there in captivity. So, like, they've had whales that they'll bring in and, and they breed and then they release them back out into the wild, or they'll find like an injured whale and they'll bring that into the aquarium and stuff. So, 
it doesn't have that exact feeling of like, oh, these animals are like trapped and caged and against their will and it's just solely for the enjoyment of me a a, a, you know a shitty human to like (laughs) walk through and be like oh look at that fish or whatever so i would say like my really only aquarium experience is here uh, in vancouver where i live and they're from what i can tell from what i know they're like a great facility for the like for animals so and it's cool i mean it's definitely cool so yeah, so I would say I'm like on board with at least that aquarium specifically. All right, so John's the strongest one among us. Nate, you're second. I'm three. I'm the coward. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I, I actually am terrified of aquarium things. Like invertebrates freak me out. Like, so in Oregon, where we're located, there's the Newburgh Aquarium where they have like okay. the uh, sea anemones, right? And okay. this is like this open pool where like a whole bunch of like shitty kids, I guess, could just go in and poke the CNN. Yeah, they let you come over and poke them. They let an octopus grab you. Like, octopuses are, like, intelligent creatures. You shouldn't just, like, let kids poke them. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, that seems bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. But, like, I I was too freaked out by the CNN. I could never, like, touch the CNN me. It's... I did, and it... It's, like, ooh. It's weird. It's electric. I don't like it. Yeah. So, so yeah. the gang are caught in, in this tunnel. And, and John, you got to see one of the hallmarks of what happens when the gang gets caught. Tobias, the bird boy, tries to rip out people's eyes. Hell yeah. He immediately that. goes for the face every single time. He is known for ripping out eyes. Does he get That's an cool. eye? He it's... scratches the security guard's face. Okay. But he yeah, doesn't, just like, as he raked the eye. captain's face with his talons. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's, that's his move. He that's doesn't cool. like I mean, to... It makes sense. I mean, if, if you were a hawk, that would be the thing you'd do. It's pretty much the only thing he does. Well, it, like, hey, their follow-up for him. plan is awful. <laughs> like, Because their plan B is, let's break open the aquarium and let it like flood the tunnel. Right. But like, Tobias is a bird. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'll get the security guards. It'll get everybody else, though, too, right? Uh, it does, and it gets everybody. Yeah. So they, they break open the tunnel of water down onto them. Marco swims away up to an air conditioner. Yeah, yes. like a, an HVAC tunnel. Right. Where there also just Some... happens to be a hammerhead shark. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and yeah. He acquires the hammerhead shark, and he brings it over to the group. And he's like, here you go, boys. Oh, well, it, that reminds me of their initial plan, because they're all freaked out by the shark. Right? Uh-huh. They don't want to go near it. So their plan is when they get to the aquarium tank with the hammerhead shark, they go in, they all turn into dolphins, and then they beat the shit out of the shark. Yeah. They knock it out and they, they drag it to to acquire it because you have to touch it to get the yeah. the animal power. Well, that 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 was, again, that felt like another... Uh, and again, I'm sure this has been established in other books, but that, that was another one where it was like... Uh, it just felt like they were inventing a rule like, oh, yeah. And then also when you touch it, it, it goes quiet and calm as you're after you morph, after you gain the morph from it, then it's also just chill and it doesn't attack you. <laughs> so that's, again, another thing like, oh, shit, we've backed them into the into a into a tunnel with a shark. How could they get out of this? Oh, well, it's actually once they touch the shark to morph, then the shark's just docile and it's fine. Yeah, but they have to do that because like in the first couple of books, they're like touching tigers and stuff. Yeah. And right, so like, right. you know, like they can't have kids just constantly being like you know right. slashed by tigers and eaten alive you know so it's like oh they have yeah. to be chill after it or something yeah so they flood they flood sea world yeah they get the shark and then they say the next day that it's like oh just some punk kids showed up and ruined it caused millions of dollars of damage also we can't yes. find two security guards so it's like they killed no, they, dudes 
Didn't they say that it was that they they blamed the security guards oh, yeah. for getting drunk? Yeah, the security that guards got the, drunk and shot the, the and tunnel. shot the tank. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it was. Um, it was like yeah, terrible accident. Ocean World. Two guards were missing. Also, several fish. Uh, the one guard who did remain told a bizarre tale of a half deer, half human creature. The aquarium spokesman sort of implied that the guards must have gotten drunk and shot <laughs> up the place, causing the tunnel to shatter. You know, that classic explanation. Oh, he was rambling about a half deer, half man. That's, and that's what I, I mean, I've never been drunk, but like, that's what people do when they get drunk. They're always just like, oh my God, look at that half deer, half man. It's like. No, that's a drug. That's more of a drug thing than a drunk thing, I, I feel. Did, are we just going to... Did you say you've never been drunk? Never, no. Damn. I feel like I've talked about that on Block Party. You probably have. My brain's not very good. We <laughs> no, should pry okay. deeply into it and really kind of get... No, no. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. And then and then I, I made a note here because it was like... Uh, because uh, Marco had earlier talked about his book report and then he handed in the uh, it was like pure total babble as a book report I wrote it on the bus on Thursday I got it back D minus the teacher wrote nice try Marco do it over and this time try reading the book and that felt like me doing this podcast <laughs> so <laughs> I was like oh, I gotta read this book and deliver a D minus <laughs> book report on this podcast you've read a lot of D paper uh, so I'm assuming that you're an English Teacher? I'm an English teacher. Yeah. Okay, so you've you've read a, a D paper. Oh before, yeah, right. Yeah. What like, what grades do you teach? Uh, I'm a sub, so I teach eight eight to twelve is high school here. Okay. So I teach any grades from eight to twelve. Those yeah. are the best book reports. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you. It, it's like I always say that. Uh, if a kid fails English, like they really have to try, like all you have to do to pass English is show up every day. If you show up every day and you listen to what I say, sort of, you'll pass. Like it's yeah, just they, not. They tell you the themes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. We tell you everything. I mean, it's just not hard to pass English. You just have to show up and do the stuff. And so it's funny to me when kids are failing and and it's just like, yeah, well, you just didn't do. You didn't even do the like m- absolute barest minimum possible so it is funny to get a book report when the when the person's clearly never read the book Uh, yeah absolutely uh the only part i want to bring up next because they all go home yeah we get a nice little peek into who marco is this is i think his impotent rage showing because he finally has a taste of some power he says i had stopped worrying what the others thought about my running from the sharks I felt like my actions at the aquarium balanced that out, and I kind of felt like I'd gotten past my fear of sharks, more or less. I mean, it's never a good idea to get casual about sharks. Instead of obsessing over being scared of sharks, I found I was obsessing about the shark DNA inside me. I wanted to morph that shark. I wanted to be it. I wanted to know what it felt like to be so relentless, so unafraid, so totally without emotion. Twice I dreamt about it. It's like this is a dude who's had no power in his life where all he's fantasizing about is power and being relentless and emotionless. Yeah, this dude is incel, isn't he? He's an incel. It's <laughs> like, like, totally. Like, this is all the telltale signs. Because, like, the f- next thing he does is he goes to school. He goes to the school pool. Yeah. And he, like, turns into a shark to feel the power again, right? Yeah, he goes to the school pool. Drake and Wu show up. Yeah, classic Woo, that classic that classic first name Woo. <laughs> yeah, it's, they have to be friends of the author, right? Like you don't must, just must be. Yeah, you don't yeah. throw a name in there like Woo unless it's someone you know. Yeah, and they bully him. They call him Marker. I mean, maybe it's their last name because like Drake wouldn't have been a first name at this time either. So maybe it's like Drake and Woo are the last names. I don't know, but yeah, it just was like. 
an interesting an interesting choice. For it's, sure. it's like a Vulcan skull, you know, like it, they're yeah. obvious bully names, except yeah. for possibly. Woo, yes. I <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought they mentioned Woo was the first name, but I don't know. OK, it, it doesn't. Matter. Whatever. Either way. I also like that um, that their big insult is they call him Marco Roni. <laughs> yeah. Like multiple times. That's like their big, like you would think that like a bully, especially if there's two bullies, uh-huh. as soon as the first one was like, hey, Marco Roni, the other bully would be like, Marco Roni, what the fuck? Like, that's the a fact mom that they like, Yeah, the fact that they are like triple down on it and they <laughs> say it like three times, like that's not. It's, that's I, so here's why I liked the Marco Roni. They're like, Marco Roni, Marco Roni, you suck, Marco Roni. Why don't you go cry about it to your mom? Oh, wait, your mom's dead. Yeah, hard turn. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's also so intense. And all the while, Marco is like half a shark dreaming about biting into the guy's jugular. It's like, yes. Huh, this is feeling a little real. Well, totally. It, but like, yeah, I think this book in particular has that strong division of light fun and mom dead. Yeah. Like, it's. Like, yeah, like, it's, no, it's, that's yeah, it's totally. grim, but also like it's a wacky situation. <laughs> totally. It, so he's he's dreaming about killing these two nerds. Jake shows up, shuts it down. Yeah, he, he like you know pulls rank, I guess. Yeah, like yeah, you know, that, that's kind of what he does. He's just it's, like you know, just tries to calm him down. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, and then, I guess fine. it works because Drake and Wu live to bully another day. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. No, no child murder uh, in <laughs> no. this chapter. <laughs> not in this <laughs> book. Just <laughs> not get murdered by Shark Boy. There's plenty of other children murder in other books, I yeah. promise you. No, I, I know. So then it's like the weekend. They're going to fly back out to the island. Yeah. They're, they get out there. Marco's like not saying anything. Everybody's really tense. Jake takes him aside. He's like, Marco, uh, you're not acting like Mr. Fun Marco. People are kind of freaked out that you're not trying to make people laugh. Yeah, make with the funny, Marco. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, exactly, you fu- you idiot. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Yeah, dance for us, you fucking idiot. Yeah, <laughs> This you is clown. what you're here for. And Marco's like, but doctor, I am Pagliacci. That's all <laughs> Marco keeps saying to Jake, and Jake doesn't care. He's like, shut up, make me laugh. Dance, clown, dance. It's. I mean, as a comedian, don't people do that to you? Oh yeah, all the time. But Speaking of, do a joke. Do yeah, one so of your famous a, jokes. Tell us a joke. Yeah. Tell us a no, joke, yeah. comedian. Get, I get that a lot. You also get like the funny one. Um, and Stefan and I actually just talked about this on an episode of Block Party. But um, I get it. You get it a lot on Twitter where you get where like if you argue with someone or whatever, it's like, oh, aren't you a comedian? I thought you could take a joke. Ugh. And it's like the joke in this case is like racist or sexist yeah. or something. The you know, joke like, is, I hope people Ooh. like you are dead. Yeah, like, why are you taking it so serious? Like, I thought you were a comedian. It's like, yeah, I'm a comedian, but I'm also a guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just is so weird. <laughs> As a comedian, I care about other people. It's not Yeah, all... sorry. Sorry that you don't barstool underscore 69 or whatever. Oh, but God, those people. Just, yeah, it's always those guys, you know. It's, yeah. Is, is that like, I know nothing about barstool sports, which I like is a gift. Good for you. That's a blessing. Yeah. yeah. Is it like Mansers? Are they like Manser fans? In seasons past, Mansers told you about the hidden manhood inside every guy's body that can be unleashed by surgery, giving him extra length. But now there's a new way to supersize your love stick that makes it even longer. 
It's a Mansers update. Yeah, it's kind of a like man show. It's like if you still think the man show was is good and was <laughs> a good idea, you probably like Barstool. Yeah, <laughs> next podcast we're gonna watch all of the man show. And it's so it. crazy <laughs> to me that like Jimmy Kimmel became the worst liberal and Adam Carolla became the worst like conservative. How the totally. fuck? I yeah, hate them a, both. Yeah, what a dumb. They deserve each other. Really, I can't believe we listened yeah. to all that love line. Oh, I, every episode. It was. I enjoyed every episode. It was a bad time. It was. It was as a child. We had very bad times. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. I watched Entourage as it was <laughs> so happening. We're, we're like, good. We yeah, all, yeah. We all have those. As straight white men, we all have those skeletons in our yeah, closet. We do. It's. Yeah. I mean. You grow up a certain way for long enough, you're going to have some embarrassing, stupid shit in your brain oh, and yeah. heart. Yeah. You might have a secret dead mom that is alive that nobody knows about. <laughs> that you <laughs> got to hide. <laughs> which is, which, good, good segue, Nate. Well, I, like, here's my thing, though, is that that's his big, like, arc in this, is that he has to hide that his mom is alive. Yeah. Because he doesn't want pity. He doesn't want people to pity him. So he's like, it's a big secret, even though it's going to be obvious here in a second. <laughs> Like, of course they're going to find out. I mean, Marco's a puberty away from figuring out that he's going to use that pity to try and get women to sleep with him. He's oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, for sure. It's, and... He's, yeah, he's like, going to read the game in a couple years. And, some, and really, sometimes, like, when I'm just, like, feeling really sad, I just, like, go home and put on Bob Marley and just <laughs> stare at the ceiling for hours hours that is incredible because my, my mom's dead you know that right like my mom my mom's totally dead and it's just <laughs> so shit man <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna i'm it's working on me i'm yeah, sorry that, that, that kind of works that's what i'm gonna say oh for sure it's definitely is gonna work no yeah. question about hey, it hey and listeners anyone i want you to look up pictures of john cullen and then listen to that bit it's gonna do something for you. He's a handsome gentleman. <laughs> well, thank you, Tyler. <laughs> it's, so the plan they they get to the beach. Jake's like, "Hey, make with the funnies." He's like, "All right, fine." So he starts making sarcastic jokes. Jake's like, "Hey, are you gonna be cool? Can you actually kill your mother like we need you to?" And, Mar- <laughs> and Marco's like, "Yeah, time for jokes." Yeah, oh kill your mother, but also be cheery about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you make? Like, You're not gonna ruin this, are you? Don't ruin this for us. <laughs> Look, as the animorphs, we kind of have to kill your mom, and as an animorph, you kind of make the joke. So, fall yeah. in line, bud. Yeah, and he so does because he's a doormat. Yeah, Marco's <laughs> totally. weak. And so they wander over the water. Marco cuts his foot, and that's when. They decide to... Yeah, it's time to turn into sharks. They are going to turn into some sharks. So Specifically hammered head sharks. So specifically John, hammerhead sharks. Before, John, we get into you doing the Animorphs uh, book report, I just wanted to mention, for this episode, we had a listener send in. His name is at Lefebvre. I don't know. I think Lefebvre. his name is Drew. He sent it's us probably, in a theme song. We're going to add it in an Animal okay, Facts it's probably, theme song. It's probably pronounced Lefave. Just I want to get that out there for Drew. Let me uh, L E F E B V R E. You got yeah, anything Lefebvre. on that? Lefave. Yep. Okay, Lefave. I'm going to say that's him. He sent us an excellent piano song for Animal Facts. Nice. We'll, we'll use the magic of television to add that in. Nate will. So this is Animal Facts with the Hammerhead Shark from John Cullen. Prince Jake and Cassie. Tobias and Alex, Rachel and Marco, the bandits are here. They want to listen to animal facts. Fuck all the yurks. 
Okay, so here's here's some stuff about hammerhead sharks, everyone. Uh, so obviously they have everyone say it with me. What is the most? What is the thing that hammerhead sharks have that makes them different from other sharks? Hammerhead. The, the hammerhead. That's right, a hammerhead. Good job, everyone. You so, are a good teacher. Thank you. Their head is called a cephalofoil, mm. uh, mm. and it controls their sensory reception, their maneuvering, and their prey manipulation. Ooh. Wait, um, prey manipulation? <laughs> prey manipulation, yes, where they, they trick their prey. So there's some... Sounds like how some, barstool guys fuck. True, true. Prey manipulation. Very good. So their eyes are on the sides of their hammer, mm-hmm. and that actually gives them full 360 degree eyesight vertically so they can see above and below themselves at all times. Okay. So that is how they, I guess, manipulate their prey. They also have a white underbelly because if uh, if their prey is below them and looking up, the white underbelly just looks like the surface of the ocean. So they can't tell that it's a hammerhead. Good design. So some good, good work there, God. Great work, yes. So the and that's funny to, that you mentioned God. So the, <laughs> the evolution. So a lot of people believe that the evolution was because of sensory function. What's evolution? Is, well, as a again, pro God podcast. <laughs> yes. No, it's so, kidding. It's fine. Keep going. So the so when God created hammerhead sharks, a lot of people believed <laughs> that He created their heads like that because of sensory function. Uh, but it actually seems to be that it allows them to find their prey more effectively, and it has less to do with sensory function. Uh, they are uh, a couple fun facts about hammerheads. Uh, they are the only shark that swims in schools. So during the day, they will swim in a school of up to 100 hammerheads, but at Fuck. night, they will hunt alone. So they they never hunt food in packs, but during the day when they're just chilling, they they have a bunch of friends. Oh yeah, they're just out um, with the boys, a hundred of your boys, just chilling with the boys Got for it. the boys. Uh, and then they also uh, they're also the only omnivorous shark. So hmm. some uh, deceased hammerheads, the contents of their stomach were studied, and fifty percent of uh, their stomach tends to be uh, seagrass. And it, it appears that they've evolved or were created to uh, <laughs> digest to digest uh, seagrass at least partially. So okay. no other shark has the ability to digest uh, seagrass, but hammerheads do. So it's thought that they're the only omnivorous shark, uh, and they. Uh, I will talk about their reproduction. Uh, they reproduce once a year. Same. Um, Yes, by the uh, the male will aggressively bite the female until she agrees to mate with him. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, barstool. So very very yeah, barstool. They're barstool. Yep. <laughs> very barstool type the Hooters shark. waitress. Yes, exactly. Until she says yes. Exactly. She's got a really nice looking cephalofoil, <laughs> and then he bites her, and then uh, so they mate once a year. Once baby hammerheads are born, their parents abandon them immediately. Uh, feel um, that. Yeah, barstool and, again. Uh, <laughs> and they're given no parental guidance whatsoever. So typically, baby hammerheads will form a school early on, uh, and then will will kind of learn things on their own. Street However, family, yeah. the 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 great hammerhead, uh, one of the subspecies of hammerhead shark, is a larger version of a hammerhead shark, and it's more aggressive. And it, it it's the only type of hammerhead that will actually eat other sharks, including their young. 
So some of them will actually eat the babies once they have it once a year. Well, yeah, who um, wants to eat seagrass when you can have baby? Exactly. So Get normally they eat. Adrenochrome. Yeah, sound like Hillary Clinton over here. Ew. That's we're exactly trying, right. We're trying political comedy now? I don't know. And it's it went well. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, and then so they, they uh, most hammerheads just eat like fish and squid, you know, the kind of the normal shit, but the, the great hammerhead will eat its own kid. And it's interesting that the book... Uh, paints hammerheads as being like very dangerous to humans. Uh, however, that's not really true. Uh, hammerheads have never killed a human, uh, or at least not documented. And there's only been 17 documented hammerhead on human attacks in the last 500 years that mm. were unpro- that were unprovoked. Okay. So, so hammerheads not not as dangerous as the book would would lead you. They're to. the they're the sensitive shark because they're also they can be vegetarian. They can eat ethically. Yes. It, it sounds like they're they, nonviolent. Exactly. It sounds like they don't love blood. Like I was led to believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think sharks in general maybe do, but yes, it it, it doesn't seem like hammerheads are nearly as uh, aggressive as the other uh, or as the book makes them out to be. All right, that's. Did- I, yeah, that, uh, that was way more than I would have put into an animal book report. We are oh, okay. Well, I don't... Th- you really told me, so. Yeah, the last one was on horses, and I just talked about Mr. Hands the whole time, so it's fine. Oh, well, and that's... But that is an important part of, <laughs> of horse, horse history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I took a holistic to approach to horse history there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, so, like, did you learn anything about their brains? Do they have small baby brains? Yeah, good for uh, poking. So, it seems like they're fairly smart, I think. I mean, it's just interesting. Like, so yeah, so I I get where you're going here. And I, I thought it was like very interesting because yeah, the, the book makes a big deal about how sharks have these like tiny baby brains. But then also it seems like Marco is processing everything he's feeling and seeing and doing while he supposedly has this baby brain. <laughs> and they, so they like, they make up this thing where again, well, it's probably not made up, but like new to me where again, it feels like another one of those rules that they just add on where it's like, Oh, also we got to be careful when we morph because sometimes we, the animal brain might take over our human brain and we've got to be really careful to not let that happen. <laughs> yeah. That and is so, the thing that happens a lot. Yeah. So, so then it's like, so then they make, make this big point about if the shark brain takes over the human brain, the shark brain is really small. But then, yeah, like I say, Marco seems to be very aware of like everything he's feeling and seeing despite having this like tiny baby shark brain. <laughs> it's yeah. You're figuring out animorphs completely yeah, oh, and easily. Fair. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So that's, they swim down there as sharks. They get grabbed by metal claws they get their brains drilled oh, into. Like, th- this whole well, thing. Well, okay, just before we get there, th- the one other thing that really fucking tripped me up Here was we go. like, so we spend like eight chapters of them d- d- like getting really, like we got to g- g- get the hammerheads and we they do all this preparation and then they just swim right by them. Yep. Yep. Like then nothing happens. It's just they're like, oh yeah, we figured once we became hammerheads, the hammerheads wouldn't care if we were there. (laughs) And then they just and then they're like, yep, we just swam right by them, and now we're at the underground. Yep. Like you would figure there, there's a great opportunity there to create another tent scene where maybe like the hammerhead kind of comes up and it looks like they're sort of sniffing around, being like, oh, who are these new hammerheads? Or like you could easily turn that into like eight pages of drama, but instead it's just like, nah, we just yeah we swam past them no problem well, these books have like a page limit so it was either between that that tense scene or the <laughs> the, 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 the hawk riding the dolphin yeah or the seagull yeah, yeah. riding the roller coaster you had to pick one or the other and yeah no, i think that's you fair. made the right choice and that's fair this book is fairly poor at a common animorphs trope in that the better animorphs books 
will subvert expectations in a really fun way. Like in a previous book, the whole plot of the book was sneaking into a military base to see this stolen piece of alien technology. And they spend the whole book trying to get to it. And when they get to it, it turns out it's just a porta potty for Andalites. And that's nice. the twist of the book where it's like, oh, I it's mean, just that's a shitter. Cool. That's, I mean, that's sweet. This book does not have anything like that. Well, it, it has something even better, though, I think. This what, is, the this brain is, drilling? The sharp part I loved about this book. Like, the big, <laughs> biggest highlight for me is that they go into the base, they get picked up by a claw, and they're like, huh, what's going on? <laughs> and then they get a hole drilled in their head, and they're like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> they don't react to They just it. roll with getting shit they, drilled in their head. They're just fine with it. They're just cool with getting like a well, implant in their head. <laughs> and I did like the part where Marco is talking about that and he's like, yeah, so like it got drilled into my head and like I felt pain, but also sharks don't feel pain. So then I didn't feel pain. And it's like, <laughs> well, if you don't. So how did you know it was pain then if you, you know, it was a very confusing sentence. Yeah, it was. They basically put in that pain versus orgasm sensor in the brain. Well, and it's also super funny because they're, again, they're saying sharks have these like tiny baby brains, but then like literally within five seconds, they figure out exactly what's going on. Right. Like, I think if I got like, like imagine even as a human, like say you get kidnapped and you get strapped to a table and someone drills a hole in your head and puts something in your head. I don't think you would know what was going on. Like they're immediately like, Oh, they put this in our head because they want to make us into this, this and this. And that's what they're doing. And they like, they reveal the whole plot or the whole it's plan within like, plot. it's not a simple thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's yeah. break this plot down. So they're capturing sharks to implant devices in their brains to make their brains bigger. So the evil slugs can inhabit the bodies so they can wage war on an, uh, underwater telepathic frog planet. Is that everything? Yes. Uh, that That's, yeah. It. Yeah. Cause they want the sharks to, because yeah, the sharks have these tiny baby brains. So if they make the shark brains way bigger then the, then they're creating this like super soldier essentially. Okay. All right. I, that's this book, I guess. Yeah, it's <laughs> obvious yeah, it's just, when you it's see just it. It's just so funny to me. It's so funny to me, that, again, like I say, that it just it happens like so instantly <laughs> where they're just like, yeah, we. Uh, that's, you know, again, they get a hole punched in their head and then five yeah. sentences later, they're like, yeah, so obviously this is what they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're doing deep blue sea and then, yeah. then they're just done with it. Yeah, they did get totally Deep Blue Sea, did they? And I looked it up. This came out before Deep Blue Sea. Because I was like, I, I wonder it. if they watch Deep Blue Sea. 40,000 leagues, bleeding to death with no arms and short sleeves. My world's deep blue, killers gotta eat too. Looking for human flesh to rip my teeth through. But nope. Deep Blue Sea copied Animorphs. Yeah. I will make that claim on Twitter later, don't worry. <laughs> uh, so, they demorph and they're like oh we're gonna sneak around oh wait we still have these implants in our brains yeah they try to morph but then their brain is about to explode and die so they stop doing that oh yeah because they try to morph into flies yeah and so like whatever whatever device got put in their head is bigger than a fly's body so now they can't they morph into flies their head will explode from the pressure of like whatever canister or whatever is in their head so they they hack a computer and it says oh if we blow up this building, the things in our head will melt, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what it said. Like, yeah, that makes sense. So they split up into groups. 
Marco okay, so hold Ren- on. Just before that, I, I promised another bird of prey update. Oh, yeah. Let's get to that. This part of me was so funny. This part to me was so funny because so their, their idea is we're going to morph into flies yeah. so that we can sneak around this base to figure out like what's going on and maybe rescue Marco's mom. And then when the fly thing doesn't work, like we said, they're like, okay, we will morph into birds. And again, the whole point of morphing into a fly was to be like covert uh-huh. and like, oh, we're going to sneak in. And Marco morphs into an osprey, <laughs> which is a giant yeah. fucking bird. Like yeah. I looked it up. Osprey grow to two feet in length <laughs> and to and their wingspan is six feet. Good their God. wingspan is as big as I am tall. <laughs> and this is Marco's idea. Like he literally says, like, oh, well, people don't look up at the ceiling anyway, so it's yeah. fine. Like it's fine if we're birds, because no one's gonna be like looking up in the ceiling anyway. But I'm like, of all the birds you could have morphed into, you chose literally one of the <laughs> largest <laughs> birds on earth. <laughs> It is like that part just blew my mind. Obviously, if you're a kid, you're not going to be like, oh, aren't ospreys pretty big? Like, you know, whatever. But as an adult reading this is like, (laughs) this doesn't track (laughs) at all. Oh, yeah. It's they make decisions like that a lot, too. It's it's one of the absurd joys of rereading these as an adult where it's like, I don't know if a bear, a tiger and a gorilla could fit in an elevator, but I'm having fun with the mental (laughs) image. It's fine. So he runs into his mom. And he's like starstruck, horribly depressed. Uh, starstruck is not the word I would use. Yeah. Well, star, <laughs> star, starstruck in the sense that he's just looking, staring, doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, he's dumbfounded. He he wasn't prepared for this encounter. He, yeah, you know, he knew it was coming. And he looks at her, and he sees that she does not look at him with any love in her eyes. Right. And he realizes that the mother, that the yerk is completely in control, completely ruthless, and that any love he felt from his mother is not coming through. Yeah. And it's like a heartbreaking little scene where he's like, oh, my mom is a soulless, mindless monster now. And to double down on that, like, she says, like, oh, I noticed that, you know, like, we're related, that my host and your host are, are you know, mother and Yeah, and it's son. like, this like, kid's mother is screaming in my head. You gotta really work on this. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's in agony down there. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta really kind of work on that. It uh, also seems weird that that's what they jump to. That like you would figure that if it's like this this um you know kind of uh superior being that has figured out a way to inhabit a human's body that their first thing wouldn't be like oh it's another human body they must also be inhabited as a host. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I think they're just assuming that since Marco's down there that he's a host cuz right. these idiot yurks have no idea that it's children. They think it's more space centaurs. Throughout the entire run of the books, they think it's the Andalites that are causing all this trouble and not humans. So they get to coast on that pretty frequently. Okay. And that's kind of what happens here. She's like, oh, well, I got to keep doing my evil. Bye. Go check on all this stuff. So Marco, like Marco's mom takes off. Axe has hacked in the computer. The plan is found out. And he's like, oh, yeah, I set this place up to explode in five minutes. So we better get out of here. Yeah. Just one other thing I want to say, a gr- just a great metaphor <laughs> where they're flying around the ceiling and to describe the ceiling of this underwater base, it's the, the author says, uh, it looks like the roof of a Toys R Us. <laughs> 
And I thought that was just that. like, I mean, that's that's knowing your audience. Yeah, right that's there. exactly it's knowing. It's like, your... hey, a kid's probably looked up and seen that like Toys R Us are like basically a warehouse and have this <laughs> kind of like exposed ceiling, <laughs> this exposed metal ceiling. So yeah, well, let's just say it looks like the roof of a Toys R Us. <laughs> Very good. I thought that was like, that was probably my favorite part of the whole book. I mean, that's a great part. Yeah. It's <laughs> anyway, yes, back to the the now the whole underwater lab is about to blow. And I'm I'm very sad that our favorite character in these books did not get the fanfare that he usually does. So there's mm-hmm. this gentleman named Visser 3. He's the giant snake that swims up. He's the Cobra commander of the Yurks, right? Like okay. he's the leader but he never succeeds, but somehow everyone's afraid of him. He's like, "I'll get you next time, you anamorphs, that kind of guy." Love him. Okay, gotcha. He's just he's evil and he loves it. To the like, here's how much we love Visser Three and how much we respect him. When we start to describe him, like when we describe his yellow snake body swimming in the water with an honor guard of Hork Bajur, what you'll hear is a very slowed down, quiet intro to Down with the Sickness by Disturbed. Because nice. this character is the opening of that song. Those heavy drums, the oh shit, you feel it. And then you know what happens next after that. When Visser 3 shows up, we get that awesome, awesome Yep. God damn, I knew you were perfect for this. I got you. That's Visser 3's song. He's the badass... I really that's like uh like the author describing the roof as Toys R Us is like you describing something as related to new metal to me. Oh my it's god. Like, oh okay, I get it. That I was an, holding okay. back because in the first <laughs> chapter of this book, when they're like, Oh, Marco starts humming the Mission Impossible theme, it's like, is it take a look around by Limbus? Oh, <laughs> it, of course it was in my head, I'll and, tell oh, you that right now. I have it in my notes of Mission Impossible <laughs> dash dash limp biscuit. Yeah, so good. The critics want to shit can it. It's, we're not going to get it. I can't do it. Say they can. Now we did it just because they don't get it. But I'll stay fitted. New era committed. Now this red cap gets a rap from these critics. <laughs> Listeners, I think you should know that they just covered that album on yes. John's other podcast. Sorry to be a fan for a moment, but I fucking love the pod, the POD cast. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it's it. It's fine. So Visser 3 shows up. He hates Visser 1. They're like enemies because Visser One is obviously more than Visser Three. That's the higher rank. It's Visser One, Makes Two, sense. Three, whatever. Very simple for children to figure out. And Marco turns into a gorilla because that's how he fights his gorilla mode. And Tyler, say the name. It's his battle morph. It's his battle morph. They have these things <laughs> called battle morphs. Stupid shit. Like travel morph is the osprey. All that. So Visser 3 and Visser 1 are just arguing while the Animorphs are killing aliens around them. Yeah. The <laughs> Nobody can handle like these... Th- they have guns. They like, have guns. Every time this like, confounds There's me. There's laser guns. It's fine. But in the background, going off is like, this, this, this building will self-destruct in five minutes. Have a nice day. All I can think of was the end of Resident Evil 2. Like, all employees proceed to the bottom platform. Yeah. Just the whole time. I did like, and they note it in the book that the thing is saying, "You'll all, you're all about to die. Please have a good day." They, That's a yeah. good bit. I enjoy that bit. It's they throw bit. that shit in there. It's fine. Great if that bit. was in a movie, I would think that would be funny. Visser Visser One runs off, turns off the explodey thing. Yeah, because of course Marco gets his hero moment of punching a giant snake in the face. Well, yeah. Well, 
Oh yeah, that's right. Because yeah. Visser Three is Visser a giant three, snake. Visser Three is a giant snake. He eats Axe. Marco punches him in the face. Right, and then knocks him out of the plot. Yeah, just <laughs> away he goes. Complete waste He's of that gone. character. Get out of here. Get out. We don't need you. So Rachel, go back in, to your motherfucking planet. <laughs> uh, Rachel and Bearmorph picks up Marco's mom. She's ready to rip him up or rip her up, and Marco's like, "No, please, that's my mama." Yeah, he finally owns up to it in a moment of I have to say something. Yeah, so. They're like, oh, sorry, that sucks. Let's let the main villain of the story go. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he doesn't... That, that whole scene was a bit confusing to me. Like, it's, you know, there was a standoff. Rachel knocks mom down. Mom pulls a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so Marco whiffs a chair at the mom, but then misses and hits a window. Yeah. And, ends and up... the window ends up destroying the base. And he's Which, like, I don't know if I meant it at the window or not. No. I mean, like, the window should be stronger than than that. <laughs> but, like, whatever, it doesn't matter. You would also think matter. that, like, 20 pages ago they used the exact same strategy to get out of the aquarium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you would think that there would be, like, just a different resolution. But it's just the same. Oh, we just punctured a huge hole in a glass window and then we got we escaped. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's a rush ending because I think they didn't know what to do with yeah, it. Yeah, they just ended it. Like, what do you do with it, really? Like, you know. The, Spend all your time on yeah. On I imagine like if you ordered this book from Scholastic and you were a big Animorphs fan, like this would suck. Like this ending would suck. Yeah, because you'd be like, what? Like nothing, uh, nothing got resolved. Like fuck. I, I gotta, I'll, I, I'll I'll gotta read to the next it, one. I guess it didn't suck. As, as a big Animorphs <laughs> fan who read these, I was just waiting for the next one. Why, why did you like okay, it? That's fair like, in, since I was a kid, like, and you read it. Why did you? It was a dumb action story. Like that's it. Like they get away, they win. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's for eight year olds. Yeah, but yeah, I, th- I can see that. It, they it, don't. Eight year olds don't need closure. They need another book. It's an episode yeah. of GI Joe. Nobody dies. Nobody yeah. learns. They just move on in yep. in, uh, in purgatory, I guess. And this book just kind of ends. They're swimming home, and Rachel's yep. like, "Oh, I think I heard a submarine, but no one else heard it." Yeah, like, she, she's trying to, like, humor, humor Marco. Right. Like, I think your mom might not be dead again. Yeah, Marco's like, oh, I'm sad. My mom might really be dead. And Rachel's like, oh, she might not be. She's not. Yeah, I, I, I gathered as much. Yeah, yeah I sort of gathered yeah, that, yeah, too. Like, yeah. Fun times. They didn't just kill off all their villains. <laughs> no. <laughs> randomly. And, and and that's it. And, like, yeah, it ends on a big wet fart. Yeah. Like I, I don't I have no strong feelings. Yeah, Marco's about it. just like I'll be happy when I free my mom, and like that's it. Yep, that's, that's it. Yeah, Marco, that's it. What did What did you think, John? I I didn't like it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't good. Um, it had no. Like I said, I it just wasn't a type of book I would have even been into as a kid. So it's like hard for me to get into that mindset like i think there's other media that missed me when i was a kid certain tv shows certain books where i could see reading it and thinking like and thinking like okay i i don't love this coming to it for the first time as an adult but i could see if i was a kid i would have loved it um and i don't have that feeling about this like i know that if i had actually followed through and read these as a kid i would have disliked it as much as i do today and i think that's a really fair critique because as someone who liked the books the best animorph books as an adult are the ones who have nuggets of emotional truth in them in a way that this book didn't this book had some great little moments of people who use comedy to hide trauma or to hide their feelings or who hide things from their friends but it was all just 
surface level stuff. There yeah. was no no catharsis in it at all. There's no character well, arc. There was just like a character like line. It went into the orbit and then we never saw it. <laughs> like yeah. it yeah, it's like here's think, the thing and then goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point that Nate's making too is like the 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 books are paced at such a breakneck speed that even when you get these little moments of like Marco's world building, it's hard to really parse them because you you kind of skip over them a little bit because you're sort of like, okay, this is this book is like go, 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 go. I don't want to stop. So when the book tries to slow down a little bit, I think you're you're still just like, okay, yeah, whatever. He's in his room. Let's get to the hammerhead stuff. It has too much momentum. It can't stop. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. And so like I think, you know, you the way you guys have described some of the other books you've read where kind of the whole book is centered around that, I feel like those moments would gain more uh, would gain more like emotional traction with me. Whereas like that, the moments in this one really didn't because it just, like I said, it just felt like it was like, go, go, go stop very briefly. Okay. We're back on the road again. Yeah, you know? it's The action did not serve the character. And in the best books, the action serves the character and this just right. didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. That's how I would feel for that. that that's how I feel in general um, about this one. And, and like you say, as someone who's, pardon me, just flying into the series to read one book ah. for it to have such a like non-resolution is also very like, you know, I'm not going to go out and read and read <laughs> number 16 or whatever the next Marco book is or whatever. I mean, just slide into my DMs if you want to know what happened. I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> I, like that's, but that's just it, right? It's just, that's, that's the part of it that, that is tough too. Cause I can understand why, it ended that way. Like you say, you just want the kids to fill out the next scholastic order. You want mm-hmm. them to read the next book. But for me, uh, yeah, it would have just been nice to have some sort of, you know, I think I could have liked it a little bit better if there was a reunion between Marco and his mother in this right. book or yeah. whatever, I, you know, but I think you kind of got a dud. Uh, like <laughs> I, I have to defend myself as an adult fan of Animorphs now who didn't read it as a kid. <laughs> so here's my case is that like, yeah, this book is kind of a bummer because, yeah, it doesn't really have the character study that some of the other ones do because this one is a monster of the week. We have a problem. We solve it. Hooray. High five. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, yeah, the, some of those early books, those are good pitches for here's th- this book series is about what it's like to be confused as a kid, what violence is, yeah, what or, war is. Or what's my role in the destruction of my parents' marriage, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, it, 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 you know, it hits pretty deeply for, like, what these books are kind of going for. You can see sprinklings of it in this one with, like, yeah. the, the Marco mom stuff. And you can even see a sprinklings of, like, the violence when it comes to, like, the transformations. They weren't as gross as they could be. Yeah, I was hoping you'd get a gross transformations because some of them go on for pages where it's like, I felt my fingers breaking, but the sensation was pleasurable as my skeleton leapt out of my body kind of stuff. Yeah, like my liver oh, is okay. rearranging, that kind of a thing. Never mind, furries, you don't have to get into my DMs. I understand <laughs> it now. You got it. You got now, it. Now that I got that one sentence from Tyler, that's good enough. That's good enough. Yeah. So, last couple notes. Mm-hmm. We'll just, John, we want to thank you for coming on. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Tell everybody why you came on and where they can find you. Sure, yeah. So uh, I do, uh, as I said earlier, I'm a stand-up comedian. I've got an album coming out uh, Friday, October 16th. It's called Long Stories for No Reason. It's my second comedy album. It's out on Comedy Records. 
Uh, you can find it wherever you get your albums. Uh, it'll be on Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora, all that stuff. Um, and if you have Sirius XM, it gets played on there as well. Um, and yeah, if you, you know, you can remind yourself that it's coming out or you can follow me on Twitter. I'll obviously be tweeting about it yeah, a bunch fo- so that can John's remind a great you. Follow. follow him Thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at Cullen the Comic. And uh, yeah, if you enjoyed me on this show and you like the idea of hearing me on other podcasts, uh, you we've talked about both of them. You can follow Blocked Party at Blocked Party Pod and you can follow the POD cast at the POD underscore cast and we spell cast with a K like the band Corn. So just to end things here, we did buy you a present. Me you did. A, we did. Uh, you didn't have to do that. Uh, I don't have to do anything. And now that I know you're not really a drinker, I won't send you some Deftones beer. Did you ever see that? Oh, no, I didn't know they did beer. In 2016, Chino teamed up with a brewery and handpicked some hops. And so the Deftones have an IPA. Oh, hell I, yeah. I was, okay. still might send some to you and Brian. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Send it to... Well, Brian doesn't drink either. So. Well, I figured Brett would drink it, so it's fine. Yes, Brett would drink it, and so would Stefan, so... So I'll probably send those your way just as a thank okay. you. But well, thank you. But being such a fan of your podcast, we bought you a cameo, so... Oh, no way. This okay. Is, this is... Nate's going to uh, screen share here, so please enjoy. Oh, my God. Okay. Hell yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> the man. The man. John Cullen, it's Joey for Joey's World Tour. I'm back. John Cullen, what is going on? Uh, the Morphe Boys at the Anamorphing Time Podcast want to thank you the Morphe so boys. much the Morphe for boys. being a super duper cool dude and for including them on your comedy album. Release tour! He forgot to say podcast tour. <laughs> that is so nice. So Nate and Taylor want to thank name. you, John, for that. That is so awesome. The Morphe Boys at the Anamorphing Time Podcast. I love it. John, that's so nice. Take care, John. Say hi to the Morphe Boys for me. And let me see. I was asked a question. If I could turn into any animal what would it be <laughs> i think i would be uh probably like a uh a, oh i want to say like a, maybe a lion so i just kick it i was gonna say lion i should have said it i should have said it before he no, said it in the heat and just chill, kill it you know just chill out with my other lion friends and like have all the little Chicky lions go out and get the food, and they bring it to me. Then I just eat it all. They do all the work. I would love that. Just kicking it. <laughs> okay, John, take care. The uh, Morphe boys, y'all take care of yourselves. This is Joey wishing you all peace. That is so honestly, I love that he wants to be a lion to chill. Oh, it's perfect. Like right? no one on earth, no one on earth says that. Everyone who wants to be a lion <laughs> is like, oh, I want to be a lion because they're brave and strong. Yeah, and I, I want a kid. He's like, oh, I just want to lay in the hot sun and get the other lions to bring me the food they kill. Oh, Incredible. but it fits him so perfectly. It does that oh. was so funny? Thank you very much for that. That was that. He never disappoints. He, he, he might be one of the best values on cameo. Absolutely. I again, thank you. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a blast. Thank you Definitely. for coming on. And uh, you know what? You can force us to read any book of your choosing. Yeah, like, that's like, all, also not, not even for a podcast. Just pick a book. We'll read it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll give you a book okay. before, and then you grade it. 
uh, Infinite Jest. Infinite Jest. Cool. Oh. I, I've started that book four times. Like, oh, it's so hard. Hey, Nobody has not that, started that book. It's either that or Atlas Shrugged. Take your pick, boys. Oh, I'm, I, just, I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't make you read either of those 1,000-page novels of nonsense. I'll read half of one and then half of the yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> I will read half of Infinite Jest, and Nate will read half of Atlas Shrugged. And we'll I mean, that's a true book report. A true book report is taking a 1,000-page book, reading the first 100 pages, and then writing a 10-page essay about it. Absolutely. All right, again, so have a great day. Uh, all Thank you Animorph you. fans, you know where to find us. Do whatever. Listen to Block Party. Listen to POD Cast. John's a great guy. Buy his album. I'm even going to buy it. I have Apple Music, but I plan on buying it as well. Oh, because... that's too nice. Don't do that. Why? Just stream it. Who cares? <laughs> I'm going to steal already, all your you've stuff. You've already done a nice, enough nice things for me. Whatever. Whatever. But thank you. That's very nice of you. It's You're a good guy. You do great work. Like, genuinely, Animorph fans, go listen to Block Party. This year, Block Party helped raise a lot of money for a sexual assault crisis clinic in Vancouver. They're on the right side of this stuff. Give them your time. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah.